1: Saturday mornings come around again, and it's time for Let's Talk Gardening. It is, and you're thinking, what's he doing on the air? Where's Faye? Where's Ray? Well, if you didn't hear it from Alan, if you weren't listening to the breakfast program this morning, then I will tell you where the good ladies are. They are both away and on very important duties, too. Today is, in fact, uh, Ray's birthday. And I notice here that, um, in fact, Faye has written exactly how many days of birth she's had. So I don't think that I wouldn't be lying if I told you she's 60. Today, the lovely Ray, and she's down south with her partner. Where is Fay? She is at a photography conference, giving and taking. Taking photos and giving probably a lot of our advice on how to take pictures of bees, because she's so good at it. Welcome to the program. We're going to be talking gardening. I'm Chris Bartlett if you didn't recognise the voice, with you for the next two hours with two very good people in the studio, who I'm going to introduce you to in just a moment. But first, I want to remind you that Let's Talk Gardening is sponsored by Garden in a Bag. Free delivery when buying six bags or more. Search Garden in a Bag. It is now seven minutes past eight, and we do look forward to your telephone calls this morning because that's what we're here for, to answer your questions about what's going on in the garden, what you can do. You may have problems. Many people do, and they think, who can I turn to? Well, you turn to Curtin FM on 94841927. You can send your emails to gardening. At curtainfm.com.au. And if you like to text, because a lot of people do these days, 1 300. 927101. I'll repeat all those details a little bit later on. Bev's in the producer's seat this morning. John is on the research desk, and I would like to introduce you now to my two very special hosts this morning, who I'm working with until 10, and I know you probably are well aware of them. If you've not heard them before, you'd be amazed at the amount of information and knowledge they have to impart to you this morning. Welcoming to the studio and to Let's Talk Gardening, Linda and Paul Michener. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Now, why am I not hearing you? I'll tell you why, because that button's (laughs) not pushed. Let's try that again. Take two. Good morning, Linda and Paul Michener. Good Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm good, except (laughs) I didn't press the right button. Oh, such a professional act. Lovely to have you in the studio. This, of course, is something that you're very familiar with, Linda. You've done a lot of this before. I've
0: been here a few times, but uh, they keep asking me back for some reason, so... it's nice to be here it's something
1: in your knowledge (laughs) and that's what we want to impart this morning how does this feel for you paul
2: um i'm an
1: absolute novice at this so i do my best you just have to act naturally and just give of your knowledge because that's what we're here okay. to talk about this morning. And I hope Do it'll be a good one. I was noticing just here, and I just thought I'd bring it up to the UV index. It is a perfect weekend for gardening, don't you think? I
0: believe so, yes. Looking it's out the window. It's stunning out there. Yep.
1: Why would the humidity be so high, I wonder, at the moment?
0: Not sure. There's not a cloud in the sky. No, but it was very foggy this morning. Mm. Coming down the hill, it was Mm. very, very foggy. So there's obviously that moisture is in the air Mm -hmm. and it's not been warm enough to sort of disperse that as yet. So, yeah. It'll
1: burn off, as they say. That's right. But the skies from where we're sitting are blue and that's just wonderful i was reading here that the uv index today because if you're out gardening it's important that you be aware of the uv index it's set at four today which is moderate from 10 past 10 this morning until 20 past two this afternoon and my advice to everyone and i think you'd endorse this is wear a hat
0: absolutely Yeah, yeah
1: so many people out and about in our sun even when it's at four but anything above that indeed you've got to be wearing a hat in this day and age or you're just going to end up burnt and suffering the consequences. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: We've got to be aware of it in our climate. Absolutely. Sunsafe is a thing, definitely. There are
1: so many things going on with our climate, which I'd love to talk to you about as we progress through the program this morning. We do have a couple of very good guests for us to talk to and for the listeners to enjoy. We'll be talking to Maggie Longmore in the first hour of the program. She's um, part of the Nanup Flower and Garden Festival, which is currently on. She's always good fun. And in the second hour of the program, Luke Porter will join us uh, to talk about reticulation, renovation, things like that. Preparing now for the seasons ahead regarding lawn care and some of those common mistakes we make with irrigation systems and stuff like that. Mm. Now, Linda and Paul, of course, you talk about coming down from the hills. What do you do in the hills if nobody knows who Linda and Paul Michener are? That's where we live. <laughs> of course, yes. of course, by choice.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, and the business is based in Middle Swan, so just at the base of 2J Road, basically. So, yeah.
1: Talk about the business.
0: Well, uh, we've been going for a while now and basically we specialise in making soil mixes. And, and Paul might be a novice on air, but he certainly is very good with dirt. He knows dirt. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll Show finger- me your hands. <laughs> <laughs> My fingernails yeah, are yeah. clean, I promise. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so, so basically, uh, we specialise in making amendments, soil amendments and soil mixes because for most of your listeners who live in Perth, uh, we have some of the worst soils in the the world for growing Mm -hmm. Uh, it has been acknowledged by the ag department and uh, so to try and grow anything here you need a bit of help so we try and give help for that.
1: And it's obviously successful because you've been doing this, what, since 2001? Yes, that's
3: right. 23
2: years, Mm -hmm. yeah, this year. Mm -hmm. And I've got
1: lots of questions for you if if the listeners haven't because I have a garden, which I've been thoroughly enjoying for the last couple of years. And indeed, the soil down close to the coast is very sandy, but we're continually trying to recondition it. And you can never give enough love to your garden, can you?
0: no unfortunately because that's the whole thing plants are a living creature and like us they they need to feed and so you can't just you can't have one meal and that's it for life and it's the same with your plants it is a continual process Uh, and building the soil structure especially in the sandy coastal soil Mm. takes time because things break down and develop but ultimately The aim is to get it to a level where you're needing to do less and less every year to it because nature's wonderful. Nature will kick in when you are growing things that are happy in that spot. You build up the microbial population in the soil. The whole process of leaves dropping and breaking down and regenerating the soil is is a cycle, and Mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to get to.
1: Mm -hmm. So the soil... Where I am, closer to the coast is Sandy, what's it like in the hills?
2: Uh, it's the total opposite. It's, it's uh, on the coast there, you've got lots of limestone, so it's very alkaline. Um, up in the hills, it's uh, heavier. Is it loamy? It's, uh, in places, it's <coughs> where we are, we've got um, quite a range of different soil types where it's, because it's in a valley, it gets right down to the bottom where there's an ancient riverbed. It's quite silty and fine, mm-hmm. but it's, it's very acidic. And uh, I just always go on about this, but the soil in the hills lacks a hell of a lot of calcium. So add calcium in the form of gypsum and lime when you can.
0: Mm-hmm. In the hills, yep.
2: And it'll make a vast, yeah, difference. It's, um, yeah, I've just... Experience that in quite over quite a few years, but um, yeah, it's the total opposite.
0: And some areas <laughs> in the hill, unfortunately for them, are on basic rock. So, <laughs> oh really? There are some places mm. where yeah, it, it seems to be uh, directly proportionate to where you're trying to dig. Mm-hmm. So where you're trying to put a tree, you'll come across a great big piece of cap rock somewhere. So yeah, it's just a bit of a, a joke in the hills that the. the The sound of the morning is, you know, a rock breaker in the distance somewhere. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so it is varied. We've got the gravelly loam, which is quite a good growing medium, to other areas which have got more granite or or more gravel. So, yeah.
1: So you're dealing in customised soil mixes. Yes. Now, here we are. It is the 19th of August, I think, today. So we're rapidly approaching what is officially the start of spring. Mm Does one have to recondition the soil or prepare the soil, particularly for the hot months ahead as we approach spring in a couple of weeks?
2: Yeah, it depends on what you're growing, obviously, and how long, uh, how old your garden is. If you've got um, older plants, it's more a case of getting it ready for the hot weather, so mulch and feed, especially mulch. Especially if you've got woody plants, like use um, you don't have to use expensive mulches or anything like that. Uh, just just cover the ground just to protect it from the sun, the wind, and it's important to put it down now while the ground's still wet. While you know you've got all that rain that's sitting there, which you know contributes to the humidity. What we were talking about? But um, you want to trap that sort yep. that. That uh, rainwater in the soil. So
1: you talk about putting down mulch. I mean, how much? How much does one want to cover the surface uh, with? A a thin layer or a a thick layer of a few centimetres?
2: Well, they say the most effective is about. uh, Was it? 75 to 100 mils, so So 7.5 to 10
0: centimetres is the recommended. Mm -hmm. But it does really depend, sorry to jump in, but a bit on um, what you're mulching with, because coarse, chunky mulches are great because they allow the water to penetrate between the particles. But say, even a five centimetre layer of a chunky mulch might only be one or two pieces of wood chip. Yeah. So the rule is that the chunkier the mulch, you have to sort of go a little bit deeper to, uh-huh. to provide that protection and that coverage.
1: And um, where I am on a sandy soil, would I be using a chunky type of mulch or something different because of the, the sand that is underneath? It
2: depends on what plants. If so if you were, say, growing vegetables and herbs, I would use more of the straw-type mulches. Uh, in woody plants, I would use the wood, the wood material, so you know any arborist type mm-hmm. um, mulches, if you have a particular favorite. But yeah, the woodier types, so they will break down in the water and mm. start you know as it rains or with your irrigation water and start uh, building up the soil as well.
1: My partner went out and bought some straw recently saying we've got to cover the ground with it. Is that to protect the soil underneath and still allow the water from the uh, the watering or from the rain we've had this past week and will become reticulation in a couple of weeks when the band comes off. Is that to protect the soil beneath and also the plants around it?
2: Absolutely, yeah. It's um, when we're using mulch you're just really mimicking nature so Mm -hmm. when you know, you see trees uh, up in the hills particularly, you have a particularly hot uh, stream of weather, say mm-hmm. maybe for a week, you'll notice the leaves, start, they start dropping their own leaves. They're just self-mulching. Um, and if you, my my mum was particularly uh, adamant about clearing up leaves, uh, but it, it actually stresses the trees out when you remove the leaves from the ground is that right yeah so it's because the the microbes underneath start dying off so you really want to leave you want to pile up leaves around trees or or mulch you're just mimicking what nature does naturally
1: so. i made a mistake because yesterday last weekend um we professionally pruned all our fruit trees and yesterday when i came back from work um, I cleaned everything up. Yeah, well, and I like should have left it, all really. the cuttings on the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I almost want to go home this morning and take that bag and just throw it all <laughs> over the garden and, and do what nature confuse does. Confuse the neighbours then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Question. Question. I have, and and this one is a question without notice. Um, an avocado tree, beautifully established, and I was going to put some turf around it, and the pruner said to me, "No, don't do that. Why?
2: It's just competing with the tree." basically, uh, is one of the reasons. And they both grass and uh, trees like different uh, cultures of microbes in the soil. (laughs) So generally, trees like more fungal growth, whereas uh, you're dealing with um, grass or turf, it's more bacterial. So they have a bit of a... um, Conflicting sort of culture, yeah. I suppose, in the soil. So the turf
1: is taking um, all the moisture instead of it going down into the root system. But, OK, round the, the tree itself, we put a lot of um, uh, mulch and what have you. Uh, close to the uh, tree, I guess it's about yay wide, but I'm not going to describe what that is in inches yeah. or centimetres. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, the, the, the listeners can visualise it. Around the base, it's, it's got all the necessary... Um, Mulch that we put on it last year, but I was thinking that it would be okay to put grass on the outside of that. At the moment, I'm trying desperately to get the kaikuyu out that was Uh, there before it. But what would you say if I don't put down turf, what could I put around the avocado?
2: Um, I would use low growing woody shrubs, Hmm. would be as long as they can survive uh, being close to a tree. But uh, yeah, choose your plants. I would go to a a nursery. Mm -hmm. Uh, often on Saturday mornings, you, you will have uh, there will be designers or landscape yeah landscape designers or gardeners uh-huh. usually working there, and uh, if you go with a bit of uh, a list of your criteria, mm-hmm. ask ask the people in the nursery they will give you a list a plant list. Um, and start from there Choose choose from that
1: list Thank you Paul You're listening to Paul Michener And he's joined by Linda His partner Who are the guests on Let's Talk Gardening this morning I've got lots more questions If the listeners <laughs> haven't Believe you me But that's what we want to do Is get started with the telephone calls But our first guest Very very shortly You may be wondering What's going on Yes you are Tuned to Curtain FM On 100.1 FM And this is Let's Talk Gardening Faye and Ray are having a week off Or a weekend off and one is having a birthday, the other is at a conference and they said, Chris, would you step in and look after Linda and Paul? My pleasure and it is lovely to have your company this morning and to have Linda and Paul here in the studio. Don't hesitate in getting your phone calls in if you have questions that either one of them or both can answer this morning. They are full bottles on everything to do with the garden, just like Faye and Ray so things will be normal. All we need are your calls but after the next break we're going to talk to our first guest who is Maggie Longmore but we've Before we do that, I should tell you it's um, 21 minutes past eight.
4: Hi, I'm Scott from Helium Marketing. Your website has a purpose. Whether it's for people to buy, call or email, there is always an action you want your visitors to take. So what does it mean when people just visit, leave and do nothing? It means you have a conversion problem and most businesses don't realise they have one. Want new inquiries to skyrocket? Find out what your conversion rate is and how we can fix it. Call 1-800 Helium to get started with the Marketing Essentials free trial. Station sponsor.
5: Hi, I'm Chris Young, founder of CY Financial Advice. I started the firm specifically to help those who are close to retirement. It's a special time in people's lives and they need a specialist firm to help them. And the best way to help people is by delivering truly independent, unbiased advice. That's why all of the advisors at CY Financial Advice are certified independent. At CY Financial Advice, we don't get commissions or kickbacks, we won't invest your money without a plan that you can believe in and follow, and we'll never suggest anything that we wouldn't recommend to our parents or friends. This means you can get the retirement advice you deserve, because when all is said and done, we want you to have the retirement you dream of, we want you to sleep well at night, and we want you to be happy you met us.
6: CY Financial Advice is an authorised representative of CY Financial Services, AFSL 509648. Station Sponsor. Are you interested in
7: joining a research study? Curtin researchers are looking for people between the ages of 18 to 65 years to join a study testing a new weight management program led by dietitians. If you're in good health, have a smartphone, and are able to come to Curtin for four study visits, then visit www.chattostudy.com.au That's www.chat2study.com.au or call 0401 100 224 to check if you're eligible.
1: Captain Radio. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. Chris Bartlett here sitting in this morning taking care of Linda and Paul uh, Michener who are here to answer your calls. And I see Adrian from East Victoria Park is on the line. Adrian, we'll come to you shortly because we do have to interview our first guest this morning. So uh, we'll come back to your question about potting mix. Stay on the line. Don't go too far away. But first, it's my pleasure at 23 minutes past eight to introduce to you Maggie Longmore who's talking us live on the line from Nanup this morning. Good morning, Maggie. Good morning and well, hello to everybody. It's um, Chris here. You're talking also to Linda and Paul who are in the studio. How's Dr. Bob?
6: Oh, Dr. Uh, Bob's very well, thank you. He's right next door to me. She's <laughs> <laughs> listening
1: to. What's he doing, giving you coaching and, and, and telling you how no, to do the job? No,
6: no, no. No, <laughs> no he doesn't need to do that.
1: <laughs> Maggie, welcome to the programme. What sort of a morning is it down in Nanup?
6: It's actually beautiful it's uh there's a little bit of mist around, but there's no rain forecast, which is you know, and we're expecting the sun to come to be shining through um soon. It's been really beautiful the weather we've been very blessed, and I think this weekend is going to be another beautiful weekend like it was last week and has been through most of the week <laughs> when is um, life not
1: beautiful in that up maggie <laughs> i
6: know i know i know <laughs> well the tulips are all out they're looking stunning and probably a lot of them are at that peak at the moment you know the in the boxes and the uh beds and all the tubs around town so they're looking really good yes and we've got lots happening of course
1: um well, I, I wanted to come uh, to talk to you about that, but first I wanted you just to meet Paul and Linda, who are sitting here in the studio with me, uh, to talk yes. to you, as the listeners want to listen to you. But let's talk about the Nanup Garden Village uh, Festival, which is on at the moment. Yes. Go ahead. Tell me all about it, because oh, <laughs> it, it's on. It's on until the twenty seventh, and today's only the nineteenth, so, on so, so you've still the got. Twenty
6: seventh uh, today we've got, we've got actually got Hannah Maloney from Gardening Australia with us today. She was with us yesterday. Um, so she's here again today. We've got Darren Thorpe as well. There's lots of things on for the for the next couple of days. We're, we've got over 100 stalls here. We've got open gardens, open studios. We've got lots of um, talks, lots of free talks as well. Lots of kids' activities. Um, we've got a beautiful display in the town hall called, called Ebb. A floral journey. Now, this has been created by um, some artists, um, botanical artists, and land artists. And I think if people walk in there, they'll be blown away. In fact, Costa saw it last weekend, and he described it as a world-class installation. Wow! It's it's that yes. I mean, we've sort of over the last two or three years, we've used um, art, you know professional artists, mm-hmm. uh, botanical artists, to do the displays. Um, and local, we tried to stay local within the southwest. Um, and we, I think this year we, we, we're trying to make sure it's different every year. And this year it knows the journey of the boat going down on the Blackwood River and everything. And it's transitioned from the tulips to the woodlands, sort of thing. That's the sort of theme of the thing. And the boat itself that has been built inside the town hall is very intricate and uh, it's it's. Really quite amazing to see if you stop and look at it and see the intricacy of the work and the flowers that have been put in it. So I'm, that's well worth a visit.
1: I'm sure yeah. it is, Maggie, because every year the Nana Festival just gets bigger and better. And bigger crowds this year, more than you expected?
6: Um, they've been very good and through the week has been very good too because obviously we, the, like the town hall displays open through the week. Um, crafts open through the week. We've got uh, a lot of the gardens and studios are up, through the week um, there's a f- we've even got a few mar- market stalls that are, be- are here for the whole 16 days because wow. this year we've increased our footprint and we've opened up a new area up the main street which is called Pants Paradise and we've got a, um, a few stalls that are there for the whole 16 days so even if you can't get here at the weekend, come through the week because the Chewet are flaring and, st- and some people actually wait because it's a lot quieter Yes, you know? of course. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: I thought it would probably be very busy today. People may be driving down from the metro uh, area or other parts of the southwest. Yeah.
6: Today, today we know we've got lots of coaches coming in today. Uh-huh. <laughs>
3: yeah.
6: So, um, yes, yeah, so we know today is going to be extremely, extremely busy. Um, and we've got lots of tulips to sell, too. The vol- volunteers, well, actually, me and Bob were two of the volunteers. We planted a um, we've planted about, I think, 3,000 pots of tulips to sell. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> oh. As well as all the barrels and everything that we did. So between us, um, the Shire and the Garden Village volunteers, I think we've planted about 25,000 tulips.
1: That's a labour um. of love.
6: Mm. Yeah, it is a labour of
1: love. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so, that's wonderful. Tell me about the workshops. What workshops have you got on this weekend, Maggie?
6: Well, uh, on this weekend we've got, Actually the gardener and the chef, Darren is cooking with a local chef from Bridgetown. Um we've got a got a, a workshop where from uh, and we've got a no waste cooking workshop. Um some of the free stuff is uh, orchid orchids, seed saving, um connecting children to nature, believe it or not. Wonderful. Um, um build a wicking bed with Darren Thorpe. Um a Celebrity garden tour with Hannah, which, um, with Hannah that's on this afternoon. I think the one this morning, she's doing one this morning, and I think that's that's um sold out. And tomorrow, we've got um, I think we've got another garden tour tomorrow with Darren and um, another cooking thing. And next week, we've got Paul West coming. Um, he's actually doing a cooking with with Bob, a gardener and a chef with Bob.
1: Oh, fantastic.
6: And, uh, yeah, and um, he's doing a, a garden tour as well. So there's lots on. If you go to our Facebook page or our web website, um, www.nanupgardens.org.au or our Facebook page, the whole, you can click on and the whole programme is there. You know, sort of day, it's, as, day by day, you know, it comes up as a day thing. Um, and if you want to know more about all the open gardens and studios, click on that
1: link too. I so, couldn't have. I couldn't have said it better myself. What a wonderful marketing promotional line you just gave us there, Maggie. Now the, the festival runs till what? Next Saturday or Sunday?
6: Next, next Sunday. We finish next Sunday, so we're actually sixteen day festival. So, so yes, yeah, quite a, a long time, and uh, we need we need a bit of stamina to keep
1: it going that long. Where where um, do you, where do you get the energy?
6: Um, not quite sure. <laughs> I mean, we, it's sort of the longest. Format came out of COVID where yeah. we we managed to keep the the festival growing going all through COVID with a very long format. Just trying to not a lot of workshops and things, but trying to bring people into town to see the tulips and you know some of the and yeah we, and we've got a a very dedicated um, t- I've got a t- a very good team behind me. You
3: Wonderful. know it's not
6: me it's a, it's a team effort and I've got a very very good committee and also this year we've got a We're all volunteers apart from one person, a coordinator, because the festival's just too big for us all to run, you know. And Mm -hmm. we've got a young, this year we've got a young coordinator, so we've got this new spark of life, and uh, she's absolutely wonderful.
1: Fantastic. And I suppose when this year's garden festival finishes, you start planning for next year?
6: We're already planning for next year, would you believe? What a silly question. (laughs) I should have known that. (laughs) Yeah, because to get some of these celebrities, we have to plan at least 12 months in advance.
1: And I bet Bob's got some good ideas too. Before I let you go, Linda, did you have any
0: questions? I just wanted to say to Maggie that you guys down there with the festival do a brilliant, brilliant job, uh, promotes gardening in general, and it's multifaceted what you're doing. There's something for everybody, young and old. And yes. uh yeah uh, congratulations on another successful festival and and I hope that the next week runs really really well for you.
6: Oh thank you so much. Yes we're uh, we we'll just well I think we're all passionate about Show you know gardening and and showing off Nanup and what we've got here and you know sharing our every, our love of gardening with the rest of the community you know I mean and me- how mentally and physically it is good for everybody you know mm-hmm. I mean
1: yeah it sure is you've so, you've yes. Yeah. I've become a disciple of gardening in in the latter part of my life, I would suggest to you, but it's the most wonderful, rewarding thing to do. And I imagine seeing a successful uh, garden festival like yours come to conclusion with so many people exhausted, but nevertheless having enjoyed themselves immensely, is what it's all about. You wouldn't do this for any other reason, Maggie.
6: No, no, that's exactly the reason I keep doing it and why Bob keeps doing it, because we love the challenge of air getting... And we like meeting people. We like sharing, yeah. We and we like sharing our love of gardening and our and our garden with people. We, Bob did a, a workshop in in our garden yesterday on forest forest therapy, uh-huh. you know. And and we and they, we Bob took them on a wander through our property, you know, to feel and hug the trees and just connect with nature. And it was just wonderful, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. I can and imagine it.
6: Yeah, tomorrow morning he's doing wilding with children, so he's going to, yeah, he's going to, uh, on our property again, and he's, yeah, going to, he's <laughs> Get, thank you. Kids, get kids back into nature and doing, you
1: know... Mm, absolutely, that's yeah. the way to do it. Yeah. Start them young. Maggie, thank you very much for giving us some of your precious time this morning. We'll <laughs> let you and Bob get back to it and enjoying the wonderful weather and all the wonderful people coming to Nanup this weekend for the Flower and Garden Festival. But you're on until next Sunday. People are still welcome yeah. to come and they can find out more at nanupgardens, One nanupgardens.org.au yes, that's, that. That, that's correct. And thanks
6: Thanks heaps for having, oh. uh, you know, letting us talk about nano. Oh, it's a pleasure.
1: Always a pleasure. Compliments to Dr. Bob. Talk again soon. Bye Maggie
6: Bye 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 Bye. bye, bye.
1: <laughs> 26 minutes to 9 Wonderful Wonderful Opportunity there To talk uh, to our good friends In Nanup um, Not only Maggie But Dr Bob Sitting in the background There giving notes Sounds terrific I'd love to be there Nanup is such a
0: beautiful Beautiful town It really is It's, it's in It's in a lovely spot And they go to so much trouble To present the tulips You know And uh-huh. everything And the bakery Is brilliant as <laughs> well so,
1: <laughs> what other reason Do you need what, to visit really What a distraction <laughs> that is. Let's talk to Adrian in uh, East Victoria Park. Adrian, you've been very patient this morning. Thank you for uh, waiting on. How can we help? Linda and Paula, listening.
8: Oh, hi there.
5: Hi. Uh, I've got uh, some potted plants at the front uh, that have been in pots or hanging baskets, I should say, in those coy old uh, oh, yeah. coconut grass baskets for about three or four years. And I was down in the uh, gardening centre, and uh, the last there told me that I should be replacing the soil, because uh, the plants use up all the soil, even though I've been fertilising. I didn't know if she was trying to sell me an extra bag of potting mix or whether or not uh, what she was telling me was true.
0: Well, Adrian, what are your plants telling you?
5: Well, they're still alive, which is uh, fairly impressive for my level of skill. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because I usually say that to people, that is, is the plant health is the measure. Uh, Yes, nutrients do get used up in soil and potting mix can tend to be a problem if the organics break down and all you're left with is the mineral content because it can slump and you don't have as much air in the soil. Um, However, it does depend on what you have been adding. If you've been topping it up with a bit of mulch and a bit of compost, that will replenish some of those organics. Uh, and and it really would come down to what the plants are telling you. You could potentially almost do a bit of a half and half. It's a bit of effort to carefully sort of get the basket down and dig around the plant and replenish it, but it would give it a bit of a new lease on life. What are your thoughts, Paul?
2: Yeah, um, it's something that can... If you can use a material that lasts longer, uh, that's going to sort of prolong it so you don't have to change it so often. But... Um, yeah, definitely what Linda said, you want to open up the soil, get uh, air in there. Often um, often it's going to depend on the plants, obviously. Mm. But yeah. I would probably go for, uh, a, you know, change the potting mix, just change it over and... Um, I, like, I always go on about this but I really love biochar in those situations because it won't break down any further. Yes, true. And it'll keep absorbing oh, okay. fertilizer over time.
3: Mm,
5: yeah. Is it- there a
2: particular
5: using compost or mulch cylinder? Do you have any recommendations because normally I just buy a bag of potting mix and that's the level of my knowledge.
0: <laughs> Look uh, I mean, you know, I would say that you get what you pay for. Some of the really cheap potting mixes have got lots of wood chip and big barky things and, and they're going to break down quickly and not provide a lot of nutrients to your plants. So go for a, a good potting mix uh, and you don't necessarily have to replace the whole thing. As I said, it really depends on what the plants are looking like. If they're growing really, really well, don't fix what isn't broken. I guess you can certainly continue a regime of fertilising and putting some mulch on top of the basket. But if you think that the plants are a little stunted or they're not flowering or not doing so well, it might be worth taking the basket down and sort of knocking the plant around the sides and getting a bit of bit of fresh soil in there. Even if it's not the whole thing you're replacing, yeah. so it's not. It's not wonderful. Bad thing Thank you
1: do. very much for the advice. It's a pleasure. Lovely to have you on the program, Adrian, and thank you for being so patient and waiting. Have a good day. Have okay. you. Right. Bye. Bye. A cheery it's, fellow. It wasn't he? <laughs> and we like more of those sort of calls. We like all our calls and our callers. And now is the right time to call if you've got questions for Paul and Linda Michener, who are sitting in this week with me, Chris Bartlett here, while Faye and Ray have a week off for their own personal reasons. But the gardening never stops. The weather continues and the seasons are changing rapidly. You can feel it, can you not? Absolutely. We should talk more about that. I mean, how to prepare for what's ahead and we hear about climate change change and things getting hotter and how we can look after whatever we have in the garden in the months ahead we've come through quite a rainy uh, period this um, we can't be we we can't criticize or we can't be disappointed with the amount of rain we've had but I'm just looking here at the Perth rainfall chart and for this month alone so far we've had 72.4 mils the average for the month would be 123.8, so we'll say 124. And we're, what, 19 days in? We've got um, 20, 10 days to go yeah. or more. Yeah. And yeah. it's looking very tight. I mean, if you double that number and the rain does continue, yes, we'll make it. But the things seem to be petering off.
2: Yeah. Uh, traditionally, I think August was our, is it our rainiest
0: I'm I really not it? sure. what well, Chris has True. got the chart in front of him. Well, <laughs> it says here
1: this year, the year to date, um, we've had 535.2 mils mm-hmm. and uh, the average is 570. Okay. So we're th- okay. about 35 mils down on uh, the average per year so far. And this month, again, it's uh, mm-hmm. we're about 50 mils short. But I get the feeling that the weather is changing and the rain may have passed... Who knows? Yes, yeah, it is. You nice. know, the weather forecaster says, well, it looks like it's going to be a fine week. And two days later, you see the radar and there's a massive front coming in off the Indian Ocean. <laughs> we nice. should be so lucky. <laughs> yeah. Because absolutely. you never can get enough rain, can you? No, no, definitely not. Do you know one of the best things I've got in my garden is a water tank?
0: Yeah, right. Okay. you got that? Yes, yeah. well, we live on tank. We don't have mains ah. water where we are, so we're very, very aware of rainfall. Yeah.
1: It is a wonderful thing to be able to go and use that, not only drink it, which I enjoy once it's been filtered, but to put it back onto the garden. And you think of all the amounts of uh, litres we use from the mains supply when you could be using something if you invested in a decent size Absolutely, tank. Yeah. Of course, if you've got a garden that's big enough to hold a tank. That's right. It's- so many houses today don't have gardens. Yes, it's, isn't it disappointing?
0: It, it is really because I think it comes down to that connection with nature that Maggie was talking about, and introducing children to nature. That yes. it's it's very a uh, human need to have nature around us, and uh, there's so many studies that are done on the benefits for communities and things just having that you know access to green space, and if it's not in your own backyard, it, it there needs to be plenty of it available for the community
1: yeah and the other thing is i mean when i was a child i'm sure the same with you we used to climb trees mm. whether right. they were in the back garden yeah. or the local park and swim in the river and yes. um,
2: things like that oh yeah. life was good and even if you <laughs> fell out of the
1: tree and i did a few times one time i fell out of the tree and i was unconscious for two days but that's another story life <laughs> hasn't been the same since really, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> life hasn't been the same but nevertheless i mean kids don't know about climbing trees or what have you anymore because they don't have the same sort of environment that we enjoyed when we were young, which is such a shame It is, and I saw a
0: statistic about that very thing recently, I wish I could remember the exact number but it was really frightening in that it was like the majority of kids grow up never having climbed a tree, which I find shocking but it's it's true
1: It is. Time is uh, creeping up on us, it is now, uh, gosh uh, 18 minutes to 9 and Liz is on the line but we're going to come back to Liz's call in just a moment And the time, he said, looking at the clock is 16 minutes to 9 and Liz from Padbury is on the phone, wants to talk about hibiscus. Good morning, Liz. You're talking to Paul and Linda.
0: Morning. Hi,
7: guys. Morning, Liz. um, Yes, I have a... Well, I had a beautiful hibiscus in the corner garden. It was a burgundy colour, beautiful. Um, But over the last few weeks... There's something, I'm not sure whether it's a herd of elephants or what, but there's something out there at night eating it and stripping it. They send my dogs absolutely spare, um, but it's, it's they chew the bark, almost chew, almost chew the bark and then snap it off, snap off all the bits. And I've got all these little wood shavings under the tree that they make it, well, just lots and lots of wood shavings. Yeah, it's oh, it's frustrating because my dogs just want to eat them. I'm, I yes. can't see them. I've it, been out there with torches.
0: It's going to be possums or rats. I'm sorry, that yeah. that's what it would be. It'd be a creature It'd be like rat. Yeah, and, I suspect yeah. it's It'll be rats. rats. Yep. The, next, yeah. the lady at the
7: back, the lady at the back, feeding a bloody rat. Oh, It'll
3: be rats.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you oh, to you yeah. tell them, Liz.
7: <laughs> She's got a compost out there oh, that's dear. totally uncovered, full of vegetable scraps. Oh, yeah.
0: Look, yeah, well, you think hard that'd hard actually be be, be be more uh attractive yeah, you than think your hibiscus? Be more but but things do love yeah. hibiscus because we've got them growing in our yard at work, and we've the the people who own the block next door often have goats and things there, and they love hibiscus leaves. Yeah, so they, yeah, everything. So yeah. everything. Yeah. They are, I believe, even humanly edible. But don't please don't, oh, no, don't quote me on that. <laughs> do, you,
7: do you think it? Do you think it would come back? Yes. If I was to give it a pretty severe, because pr- it's years old, it's it's very very old. Um, so if I was to give it a good pruning, um, do you think it would come back?
0: I do think it should come back. But the trouble is, you're going to need to try and do something about your rats, like a program of of trapping. And I don't like to suggest baiting, but sometimes mm. it comes down to it. And if you are going I can't to bait, I've got two dogs, but. If you you can, you can look into options of things that you can like uh, wire because they'll be coming over the fence. They'll they'll be coming running along the top of the fence and probably sending your dogs off. So if you can figure out a way to wire something to the top of the fence that your dogs can't get to, or something in the hibiscus that the dogs can't get to then that's what you need to do. And anybody out there who does have rat problems because they are a menace in the city and it's been a very bad year for them, please look for the ones that have less secondary uh, poisoning impact. So if any native owl comes across, there's several brands out there now. One of them is called Racumen. But please do find those particular baits to use because it's much, much safer.
7: Uh, well, I'm sitting outside Bunnings now, so I will go and look for some. Yeah. Good on you. <laughs> Good
1: luck.
0: Good luck, Liz.
1: <laughs> Thank you for your call, Liz. Thank Good luck.
7: You. Thank you. Bye.
1: Talking of rats, <laughs> they, they're so cunning. They Or they were. I think I've oh, I think fought them so this hard. one. Yeah, mandarin tree. They would run along the fence or come over the... Um, uh, the cabana has a roof on it, and the, the the obviously the branches were leaning down on top of it, and they'd climb into the tree. They would literally take all the fruit out of the middle of the uh, yeah. of the fruit and leave the the pith, the the shell. Yeah, well, they don't like that. Pith. <laughs> well, I realise that, but so cunning and so cleverly and yeah. so artistically removed. Yes. What I did last weekend is we cut it so much so that it's, it's well away from the, uh, the roof and the fence now, so it's tall with a lot of air getting in underneath it. They must be mad. They'll mm. be so angry now. Not only yeah. is it the end of the Mandarin season, <laughs> but they're not going to be able to get into the tree anymore. Absolutely.
0: No, they'll get the engineer friends out to see what they can do. To, <laughs> to up yeah.
1: They'll come up with something. Oh, look, we've got oh, Rita good. in Maidervale who's Excellent. got a, a conversation with us. Hello, Rita. Good morning.
9: Good morning. Lovely to hear from you. Um, the person that's got rats coming over their fence,
3: yeah.
9: um, there is a technique to um, treat the fence, the top of the fence, because they do run along the top of the fence, and rats hate um, things that smell really strongly, and in particular they hate a particular spray um, disinfectant that comes in generally a green uh, tin. And it's got the, it starts the, in the name there's, I don't want to give the full name because I know you can't provide it.
3: Thank you. But
9: it's something like um, valleys and um, and it's got the number 20 in it. Oh, yeah,
1: it's that one. Yeah, yeah.
9: Okay. Oh, I'm, I'm with so you. Just spray along the top of the fence line with that, especially one that's got like a citrusy smell. Um, and just test in a small area to make sure it's not going to discolour your fence, Mm -hmm. because if it's a metal fence, it may do. But, yeah, just spray along the top. They hate the smell, and they'll just not go there.
1: Yes, as I remember talking of that product, there's a country singer, wasn't there, whose name was Campbell? His first name was something, yeah. I think we're on the same page. That's a very good hint. Thank you very much for that, Rita. Okay.
9: All right. Well, take care and have a lovely week.
1: And you you, have a lovely weekend too out there in the sunshine, hopefully in your garden, but not spraying too much of that product around. (laughs) Hopefully you won't need to. It is 11 minutes to nine. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with a giveaway for you and look forward to more of your calls on 94841927. Or if you can't wait on the line, send us an email to gardening at curtainfm.com. Let's Talk Gardening. Chris Bartlett here with Linda and Paul Michener, who are sitting in this week for Faye and Ray, who are both away on other duties and having a wonderful time. Hope you're having a a wonderful weekend too. We're here to take your calls and business as usual on uh, Let's Talk Gardening here on Curtain FM. 9484 1927. Just wanted to uh, give you a quick preview of what's coming up in the second hour. Our guest will be Luke Porter from a reticulation renovation if you are preparing now for the season ahead not just spring but particularly summer you probably want to know how to take care of your lawn there are many mistakes that people make and so he will be able to put you straight in our interview with Paul and Linda a little bit later in the second hour of the program to things to do with your irrigation system now before we go to Keith in Mandurah who's got a very interesting question Come to that topic in a moment. I want to uh, open up the lines to you to give you a quick opportunity to win a $75 gift voucher to go shopping with the compliments of Kerry at Bigger Trees and Pickering Book. Now, you've heard about Bigger Trees on this program before. WA's leading frangi supplier, also specializing in ornamental and fruit trees. And given the time of the year and the huge selection of ornamentals and fruit trees, they are in magnificent abundance at the moment. So Bigger Trees has a huge range of plants at one of their nicest nurseries in Perth, with the exciting new stocks arriving each and every week to meet your needs and your demands, including those, of course, harder to find trees and plants. They deliver throughout the metro area, and you can learn more about them on BiggerTrees, B-I-G-G-A, a u uh, for great online options. Check out their Facebook page, too, for updates. Treat yourself to a stroll through the Bigger Trees nursery very soon. You won't regret it. So here is the question... For somebody who is going to walk away with a $75 gift voucher this morning, the question is based around a 1964 song by the searchers who sang, Shoo-wee, you hurt me like a... Like a what? Shoo-wee, you hurt me like a... You need to give me the end to that line, okay? On 94841927, right now we're waiting for your calls and you will uh, win yourself a $75 gift voucher for being very clever in answering that question. Meanwhile, Linda and Paul and I are sitting here in the studio. Keith is in Mandurah. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. How can we help you, sir?
5: Well, I've got an Arabica coffee tree that I have had for... A couple of months now, and I put it in a big, large pot. I don't want it to grow too big, but I'm finding that the leaves a lot of the leaves are growing brown at the tip and dropping off. I'm, I don't really know how to look after it, so I was sort of looking for some info. Oh,
2: okay. Um, generally, Keith, uh, coffee trees are semi tropical or yes. tropical, so. It's probably not loving the weather at the moment where it's quite cool, uh, quite cold, I suppose. Um, That's going to be one of the biggest issues. It's actually
5: on my closed-in patio. Well, it's closed in with uh, blinds Mm -hmm. and it gets all the morning sun and afternoon sun. Um, So it's, it's not really open to the full extremes of the cold, but yeah it's pretty cool like down in mandarin at the moment
2: yeah what area did you buy it from keith like uh not the nursery but what where was the nursery was it in uh
5: was in guildford
0: okay
2: yeah okay uh
0: well uh, hopefully they would have been able to provide you with some growing information but i I think paul's probably right in that they won't be loving the cold it will be taking a while to sort of settle in and adjust to its new environment and i'm potentially new soil um if the the leaves the tips are turning brown are they kind of soft and bendy or are they going stiff and crunchy the tips it's of the leaves dry. sorry they're
5: they dry. dry um no i'm just heading towards it now i was sitting out in the sun trying to enjoy the first <laughs>
0: um
5: right i'm in the patio there uh-huh. um no, no,
0: they're soft. They're soft. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, how much are you watering it? Have you been maybe giving it a little more than it needs? Uh, sometimes soft tips can be an overwatering issue and uh, it does depend. Hopefully it's not any sort of fungal dr- dramas. I'm assuming you put it in potting mix?
2: Yes. Okay. Yep. I would put your fingers into the potting mix there, Keith, and see how damp it is. If mm-hmm. it's really, because it's what that's saying, the plant's probably too cold and wet. Um, yeah. And it, but it's <clears throat> it's probably going to change once the temperature starts getting above twenty degrees. Twenty <coughs> degrees seems to be the magical temperature. Yeah.
5: Well, I've yeah. got a moisture meter stuck alongside it. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I was that, going to ask well, you that, actually, because I would have thought a coffee tree would need a somewhat of a humid atmosphere.
5: Okay. It
0: would It yeah, would prefer th- it, but yes. But the, it
5: this moisture meter only indicates the sort of uh, dry, moist and wet. So we're in the very, very early moist, almost dropping into the dry. But it, I just thought it might be semi-deciduous or something like that. Um
0: I don't believe they are in their, na- in their natural environment. But if you're trying to grow something that is slightly out of its normal climatic zone, then sometimes yep. things can do that. And they, they will just stress a little, which is why they can have you know yellowing or, or drop leaves and things like that. But I, I do hope it will pick up once the weather gets a bit warmer um, certainly don't fertilise it now. It won't won't respond well to that. Um, if it's in new soil, you, want, you shouldn't need to be giving it anything for some time. Um, and I usually say to people, some of the best moisture meters you have are literally on the ends of your hands. So ha- yeah, do a bit of exploration yeah. and stick your fingers in the dirt and see because uh, my suspicion is maybe at this time of year, you could be keeping it a bit damp.
2: But it, it might also just be adapting to the new situation that you've, Put it in, Keith. So yes. it might, you know, because it's been taken from Guildford.
1: So it's acclimatizing. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Uh-huh.
2: So that's often. You just need to give it time. Uh, don't overwater quite a bit it. Of new growth on it.
0: Well, that's a good there's sign. Quite though. a bit of new growth yeah.
2: on it. And
5: yeah. there's about, so I think there's 14 berries on it now. Okay. So it's, uh,
0: that's a cuppa. <laughs>
5: <laughs> then I've got to learn how to do it. But. Yeah,
2: It could be just stressing out, though. Plants often fruit or yeah, sure. flower just because they're stressing out. So I would take that as an indication. It just needs to adapt to its new situation.
5: Mm. So the more sunlight, the better?
2: I would say so. And if you can get it up against uh, a brick wall or something like yep. that, where it's got a bit of radiant warmth, might help out as mm. well. In the morning,
5: the uh, the blinds on my patio are black and I've just got my hand on them now and they're hot. Nice. So yep. I can put it real close to there. Yep. Then slide it around. It's on wheels, so I'll slide it around to the sun in the afternoon.
6: Oh, perfect. All right.
1: <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah. Well done, Hopefully, Keith. Hopefully, Yes. Thank you very much care. for your call. Have a great weekend. That's Keith in Mantra going to Frank in Forestfield in just a moment. But we do have a winner Ooh. for our $75 gift voucher. The question was in 64, the search is saying, shooey, you heard me like a bumblebee, said Kay in Thornley. And Kay, you will be receiving that voucher from us in the very near future. Thanks to everybody who called in. Let's have a quick chat to uh, Frank in Forestfield before we go to the news. Wants to talk about rats. Morning, Frank.
10: Oh, good morning, guys. Listen, uh, that's, uh, that's my favourite subject, rats. <laughs> uh, I started to keep birds many years ago, and I got birds again here in Forestfield, and uh, I attract rats like a magnet attracts iron filings,
3: <laughs> and uh,
10: I'm fed up with it. Uh, not only do you get rats, but you get mice too when you keep yeah. birds because of the seeds. You yeah. know all of them. Yep. About keeping birds and and the seeds. Now I'm a bit annoyed with the uh, the local shires because when you get your rates, you never get a, uh, any notification paperwork about people. Uh, people have to buy baits. Uh, the best thing to do with rats is not to spray the fence or anything like, anything like that. Uh, the smells they don't like. The best thing to do with rats is to feed them. And uh, you feed them. You get these wax blocks. They are either blue or they're red, and you put them in containers uh ice cream containers cut a little hole in them or you put them in uh, uh pvc pipe one end blocked off you, you put baits in there they find it they find everything and uh, because they got a smell a rat follows a smell trail when he's running around your property everybody in perth has got rats and the problem yeah. is nobody does anything about it yeah. the shires don't give a shit about it and uh uh, it's up to the it's up to the people to do something about it. Now this is my this is my program starting right now with you people. Tell the people to buy baits, put baits out for rats. They eat everything. They eat uh, they eat out the oranges. They eat seed. They eat um, uh, mangoes. They eat uh, kumquats. Uh, everything that grows on your trees, a rat will eat. Okay. I've
3: okay. been
10: listening. To, I've been listening to uh, your program for many many years. And mm-hmm. Every now and then somebody comes up and says something's eating my tree.
3: Yes. A
10: lady came up today and said something's eating my tree. It's rats. Yeah. For God's sake, do something about them. Put put baits in your ceiling. Yes, when they die, generally they will come out for a drink because it uh, it affects their in, it affects their insides. But uh, once they're dead, they're dead. Uh, They breed every six weeks. They can have six or eight babies. I've just seen little ones running around my place. Mm -hmm.
1: (coughs) Excuse me. Frank, we have to take a break now for the news. Thank you very much for your uh, encouraging uh, advice there on rats. Yep, everyone's got them. We should all do something about it, including the local councils. More calls after the news. It's news time now. Well... What a perfect weekend for gardening. We say that every Saturday morning, actually. But some weeks uh, it's truer than others. And when you look out of the window, as we said one hour ago, Linda and Paul, it looks just stunning, doesn't it? Stunning. 21 degrees is the estimated maximum today. A mostly sunny day, a 5% chance of rain. I don't know where. But it does say there's the chance of a morning fog in the southeast, which will burn off rapido, and there will be light winds. No fire dangers today, but the UV index sitting at 4 which is moderate, from 10 past 10 this morning till 20 past 2 this afternoon. Remember to wear a hat, and I'm sure many of you will be out and about. Most of you, I would hope, will be looking in the garden for what's to come and how to prepare for the months ahead. Enough of that for the moment. Let's look at um, Perth's current temperature, which is 14 degrees, and the humidity has dropped to 80%. The wind (coughs) currently 6 kilometres per hour at um yeah from the east which is um, a good place to be coming from i guess at the moment as i said 21 degrees is the estimated maximum temperature today a mostly sunny saturday and you're listening to let's talk gardening you're listening to Curtain FM, 100.1 FM. I'm Chris Bartlett, sitting in for Ray this week, who's away enjoying her birthday, and Faye, who's at a conference. So, Paul and Linda Michener are here in the studio to take your calls and answer many of the things that are on your mind. We will come back to your calls, but I do want to next introduce our second guest of the morning, who is Luke Porter from Retig Renovations, lawn and reticulation specialists. And if you're preparing for the seasons ahead, not quite knowing how radical the weather is going to be in regard to lawn care you may be making some mistakes when it comes to your irrigation system so it's the right time to be doing something about it and the right person to talk to is luke porter good morning luke good morning how are you doing hi luke We're doing very well Good morning Luke Now I'm going to sit back And listen to all your advice Luke because you're a man Of great knowledge And thank you for all the Information you've advised us And I will leave it To Linda and Paul To uh, interrogate you About your (laughs) irrigation (laughs) Sounds
3: good
0: Yeah thanks for agreeing To have a chat this morning Luke Because I I know You're you're certainly passionate About the subject of irrigation Which uh, it might sound A bit crazy to some people But as we know Water is life And it, it is essential For our gardens And coming up to The start of spring, and as Chris mentioned earlier, the sprinkler bands will be coming off shortly. Now's the time, not waiting until it starts to hit 30 degrees, now's the time people need to be thinking about their retick. Do do you agree with that?
8: Oh, absolutely. Look, and, and, and a lot of irrigation companies get extremely busy, so... Preparing early is always a great thing.
0: Yeah, perfect. And so when you walk into someone's yard, what's the first thing you do to check their irrigation? You run it or do you look at their garden? Or, or, you know, as a professional, how do you assess what's good or bad irrigation?
8: Well, look, I love lawns and gardens and I always am aiming to make the lawns and gardens green and healthy. The number one thing that I look at is coverage. So... Good coverage is when one sprinkler will fully overlap to the next sprinkler in every area, and probably that's one of the biggest things that people try and stretch is just not putting enough sprinklers. You can always turn your runtime down if you've got a really efficient retic system, but no amount of runtime will fix a poorly performing system, especially if areas aren't reaching. So people end up wasting a lot of water just running the system longer and longer where that could be fixed by putting it in, in an efficient system or fixing a system to make it more efficient. Uh, number two is probably just sprinkler placement. A lot of pop-ups are too short and they're too close to the surface, so they're always getting hit by lawn mowers and edges. Oh, yes. So I look at adjusting a system by putting in a taller pop-up, sinking it lower and putting a more efficient nozzle on it. They're probably the the, the biggest things that I would look at to improve the health of a lawn and garden. Sure.
0: And do you think that a lot of retic systems that people have put in, you know, years ago, is it something that it's set and forget or something that you need to, like your kitchen, you know, renovate because things get out of date, new technology comes in? Is it something that, that we do need to sort of continually think, how can this be better? How can this be more efficient?
8: Oh, look, definitely. Um, so one of the main things is water pressure drops. I know this because I've serviced the same systems over many, many years. Uh, and the water pressure has definitely dropped in Perth in many suburbs over the long term. This is sort of like common knowledge. Um, so one of the main things is having having a, you know, testing water pressure and re really having a look at it. But definitely every year, cutting around sprinklers, checking for blockages, flushing heads, particularly in gardens. Gardens grow. Plants grow a lot in spring, as you would know, especially if you put good quality soils on them. Um, and... Adding in more sprinklers, raising sprinklers, trimming plants is really, really important. One of the main things I, I often do is revamp an older irrigation system. There are more modern heads, such as the Waterwise MP Rotator head. By switching all your old style pop up heads to Waterwise MP Rotator heads, you can often instantly increase the pressure and throw. And that's probably one of the best ways of fixing low pressure in an older irrigation system. Typically PVC piping um, lasts a really long time if it's buried in the ground. So often you can reutilise what's there um, but work on revamping the sprinklers. Hmm. Yeah.
0: There's a lot to it really, isn't there? <laughs> just it's so much to out. think about.
3: <laughs>
8: yeah, Absolutely. And I mean, look, just one of the main things that, that I find is that uh, you're far better off putting in additional solenoids if you're setting up a new system. Um, people often they just don't put enough solenoids in, and so you end up with low water pressure a few years down the track. And in an established landscape, particularly if you've concreted around a house um, or you've got a really nice garden in, digging everything up again can be very painful. Um, You're far better off adding in a couple of extra solenoids. So what I always do is if I could get away with six solenoids, I put 10 in.
1: Some people think that's
8: excessive, but... I believe in having a margin of safety and once people start subdividing or adding extra houses into a suburb, you often can lose water pressure and digging up an established garden can be very expensive and painful.
0: Yeah, true. I guess it's the the old adage, isn't it? Do it right the first time around if you can, definitely. I was
1: looking here at your questions on uh, and ideas on saving water, Uh, Luke, and you mentioned um, improving the soil, using quality soil mixes and mulch.
8: Oh, absolutely. Look, that's one of the biggest things, mulch and soil, and particularly mulch, um, people often put good soil in. I use, as everyone knows, um, on my social media, I use the Green Life Soil Company Soils predominantly, and they're just because of the quality um, and the results that I get in gardens. Um, But you often see a nice garden, even with good soil, but no mulch. And I always put at least 5 to 10 centimetres of mulch. And not all mulchers are equal, so having a a mulch that will improve the the quality of the soil, in my opinion, is really important. Some mulchers don't do that, and they also can become hard and not let water through. And that's one of the biggest things that people can do. Use a good quality wetter soil, put a good quality mulch, plan the garden really well. So trees and other um, plants can provide shade and, and help in a garden as well. So choosing the right plants is really important. Yeah. And then, um, you know, using, using good quality water-wise irrigation Um, Also, just planning the water requirements of the plants.
3: Some trees don't need
8: water once they get established. Mm -hmm. And some trees you need to water around the drip line of a tree like a fruit tree. One of the common mistakes I see people make with fruit trees is just putting a dripper at the base of the tree instead of realising that a lot of fruit trees have spreading roots. Uh So you actually need to water water and fertilise and improve the soil around the drip line of the, the whole tray to get good results.
1: Luke, a question for you, um, without notice. Um, I bought the house that we currently have about two years ago, it had a, a reticulation system in it. When you talked about pop-ups and how inefficient they are, and whether I'm getting the right amount of pressure front and back garden, I also know that it used to run off a bore. I'm really not quite sure that I'm getting the best from it. Should I be calling somebody like you? Is that an, a, a redundant question? <laughs>
8: Oh, look, absolutely. If you don't have time to go on YouTube and research it, there is plenty of information on YouTube. um, Definitely, number one, doing a pressure test. Bores and mains have different pressure, and so when people switch from one to the other, you often will get a result that's less than satisfactory unless it's been set up properly from the start. Uh, But a pressure test is one of the best things that you can do, and then you get the performance chart of the sprinklers. For example, if you look at Hunter's MP Rotator and Google um, and, and look at their performance chart, you'll be able to get a chart that comes up online that says this nozzle at this distance uses this much water and operates at this KPA. So doing a proper pressure test and then counting up the nozzles that you have to see whether they work efficiently. Because a lot of nozzles, um, for example, the MP Rotator, to throw from, from four and a half to six metres, that extra one and a half metres, it needs substantially higher pressure, and often a main system doesn't have that. So I often set MP rotators out at 5 metres rather than 6 metres just to make sure that they're overlapping
1: properly. But you're the right person to do the pressure test, aren't you, Luke? Sorry, what was that? Uh, you're the right person to do the pressure test. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 it's not something I can do myself, is it? Not unless you've got the
8: knowledge and time to do it. No? Exactly.
2: <laughs> that's what I was driving with. And, Luke, with um, boars, do you uh, notice a problem? Because I, I have a boar up in the hills, and towards the end of summer, we tend to get a lot of, uh, well, salt that's showing up. Um do you do you have problems like uh, do you notice problems in different suburbs where if people have got bores they have uh, a bigger salt problem? does that is that an issue? Do you notice?
8: Look, I'm very experienced working on bore systems. I don't actually install bores, so um, on the installation side of things, that's not my area of expertise, but um, it is very common for bores to dry up and to run into systems. Um, run into problems like what you've described. Yeah. I know yeah. off in the hills like I'm in, up in Les Mardi, um people will draw the water out slowly with a small pump, fill up a holding tank and then pump from that holding tank mm. because if you draw the water out of the ground too quickly you can end up with problems like what you've described. Um, sure.
3: yeah, but, um,
8: yeah. I'm definitely experienced with operating the system from the bore itself, not
4: as yeah. much from the Installation. Yeah,
1: okay. Well, you, you're you up in Les Murdy, and I definitely think you would ought to come and have a look at my system. I'm down in Spearwood. Would you be interested?
8: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got a map on my website mm-hmm. on the Contact Us page, and that's Spearwood's definitely uh, within within my target range. We'll be talking.
1: <laughs> now, we know the the, 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 the climate is changing it unpredictably. Any particular outstanding tips that you would give us for the seasons ahead? We're running into spring in um, a couple of weeks' time, and then who knows what the uh, coming months of summer are going to be providing in terms of heat. How would we prepare best?
8: Um, look, I think um, number one, if If you're installing a new garden um, or or even renovating an existing garden to prepare for um, that sort of thing, I would definitely engage a really good horticulturalist or good garden designer that understands plants because a good garden designer will be able to visualise what that garden will look like in the future rather than just planting plants that look good now. Mm -hmm. And they will be able to understand plants that are more more water-resistant and that are going to do better in a hotter climate. Definitely sometimes less is more, like trees can provide you know, a wonderful shade and size as well. And um, you can put benches, paving and other things underneath trees and still get a really green effect without using as much water. Um, and I think proper planning is, is probably the number one thing. Obviously improving soil health, mulching, um, having a decent irrigation water-wise system is is really good as well so Mm -hmm. things like subsurface drip line water underneath the soil and you get a lot less evaporation. yeah those sort of things um can help
0: so there's definitely lots and lots to think about i told you he was passionate about (laughs) about pipes (laughs) thank you
1: and we have to do everything we can to save water we do but use it efficiently absolutely and those particular heads you were talking about fascinate me we'll we'll be talking some more about that luke thank you very much Oh, no problem. It's my pleasure.
0: Thanks, Luke. It's been uh, interesting. Cheers. Have a good weekend.
1: That's Luke Porter, our guest this morning in the programme from Rick Retic Renovation. Uh, He's the man you need to be talking to if you're thinking about lawn care or just reticulation in your garden with the uh, forthcoming seasonal change. Now, I'm going to come back in a moment. We've got a couple of crashes, one on the Quirana Freeway, one on the Reed Highway. We'll talk about those and tell you more in just a moment. It's 20 minutes past eight.
3: Curtain Radio.
1: We're back. It's 22 minutes past eight. Uh, Paul and Linda Michener are here in the studio to take your calls. I'm Chris Bartlett, pressing the buttons on Curtain FM. Welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. Faye and Ray will be back next weekend. Do not worry. If you've got questions, now's the right time to make your call on nine four eight four one nine two seven nine four eight four one nine two seven or your emails to gardening at fm dot com dot au. don't hesitate i must just uh, take a moment to tell you about these two crashes if i may uh, on the Quilana freeway southbound the exit ramp to leach highway in brentwood the right lane is closed by traffic management towing services are on site traffic is flowing but be aware if you're traveling southbound on the Quinana freeway Towards the exit ramp to Leach Highway in Brentwood, there is a crash. There's also one on the Reed Highway northbound at uh, Malaga Drive in Naranda. The right lane is closed by police. Towing services naturally are there on site. They don't miss them. And uh, the traffic is heavy in that area so please a little bit of patience a bit of self-control you'll get there all in good time the weather's beautiful enjoy it Um, if you must sit in the traffic if you are involved in the crash around reed highway northbound and malaga drive in naranda Okay, time, 23 minutes past nine. Do you want to talk about yeah, that Yeah, sure.
0: There's a couple of emails through. So thank you to the gardeners that have sent these through during the week. Uh, Michelle has sent in um, a photo of a, an agonist that she's got growing, a willow myrtle, you know, the old peppermint tree, um, and she's in Port Kennedy. She says she near, lives near the beach, get lots of strong winds, but this particular uh, uh, going to say lemon myrtle but it's not the willow myrtle is growing beautifully she's got a lovely native garden uh and but she's concerned that it hasn't flowered yet because it is uh i think a couple of years old possibly but um oh uh, june yeah june 2020 it's not that old actually look i would suggest michelle it's just a question of patience it is a relatively young tree but it's growing beautifully, so right. I think sit back and enjoy it.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to flower when it's good and ready. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes when things flower, as Paul was saying earlier, uh, it is it can be a sign of stress. So I think the fact that your plant is growing beautifully means it's very, very happy. And yeah, it's yeah. just going to do it in its own time.
2: It's in the right environment absolutely. and everything. coastal yep. plant.
0: And then I've had one from Sharon in Gooseberry Hill who's got an issue with her carrots that they are very short. She's growing them in a, a wicking bed. Um, carrots are something that can be tricky for people because anytime they're in a lot of nitrogen-rich soil or if there's nobbles of manure or anything. Yeah,
2: or rocks or yeah. anything to obstruct their growth.
0: Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll twist and turn and and we are used to buying perfectly Formed carrots in the shops, but most homegrown carrots are not perfectly. Oh, formed. I like ugly carrots. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> they're more
1: interesting to look at.
0: They are, always oh, topics of conversation. <laughs> Absolutely, you
2: always take photos
0: <laughs> and put them on social
2: media somewhere. And
0: also, she's saying that these are very short. Now, the other thing to consider is the uh, type of carrots in the first place, because there are carrots that are like stubbly. That, mm-hmm. that is how the nature of them. Like yeah, Chantanay will right. only grow very, very short and it's a little round, stubby Ooh, kind Chantenea of
2: quite quite can be really long, but they're kind of fat. But yeah, but yeah, but they're, they they're more fat them. than long. Yeah, they're kind yeah.
0: of so horizontal, horizontally yeah. challenged, <laughs> vertically challenged possibly. Um, she's saying should we she feed them? Yeah, she can certainly give them uh, some liquid feed, but the main thing with carrots is grow them in light soil, like even loose, sandy, friable soil. Anything heavy... Or with rocks yeah. in it, you're just going to have issues. That's, that restricts its growth? Uh, yeah. They, they kind of, as they grow down, if yeah. they hit any obstacle, uh-huh. they'll just twist and deform and sto- distort. And look interesting. Yeah, interesting. But it'll still be delicious. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Can I just uh, go to this one message we have here from Heather in Mandurah? We were talking earlier about rats. She uh, rang to tell us that her daughter had a rat, and she took it to the vet and got it, identified it, and she thought it wasn't the usual type of rat. And it was identified as a native rat, which uh, hops rather than run. So perhaps we should be careful when putting out our baits that we're knocking off, not knocking off the local inhabitants rather than those that are introduced. How do you feel yeah. about that?
2: Yeah,
0: I think okay. it's true, but I, I, I think we tend to like to think that all fluffy creatures we see are native animals. And unfortunately, in our urban environments, mm-hmm. they're less likely to be. Yep. Um, and particularly if it's climbing and running along a fence, like if you can see them doing that. It's, it's not a native. Exactly. And and same with bandicoots. Oftentimes people, I see it on social media all the time, people go, oh, you've got a bandicoot. If it's up high, it's not a bandicoot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, you so, good people live in the hills. Yes. And you have a garden, obviously. What should we be thinking about preparing for summer? What sort of vegetables could we be planting? Wow, what will it's... suit this climate, particularly in the hills, and then give me some advice on what we' do towards the coast?
0: Well, I just find things in the hills are generally behind mm-hmm. what people on the towards the coast like things will start earlier there, it's just colder and slower in the hills, yeah, so it, it, it's mm. when people talk about what's suitable for growing in Perth, it's always a bit of a tough question because mm. there's more than one climate in Perth and more than one soil. Uh, but coming into summer, traditionally, you're looking at your summer veggies like your tomatoes, your capsicums, sweet corn. Yeah,
2: your pumpkins. Cucumber. And, yes. Yeah, cucumbers. Yes,
0: cucumbers,
1: zucchinis. All circanies. your cucubits. Yeah. yeah. I would, do, I would I'd grow celery, but it, it uses so much water. It does It does. It's very
0: slow growing but I like to chuck in a bit of celery just to tuck in around other things and mm. it's so slow that you almost forget you've got it and then when you harvest something else you go, oh, look at that, I've got some celery there. Yeah.
1: Um, the other thing is complementary. I mean, planting certain vegetables alongside each other or even putting flowers amongst them, does this help? Definitely. Yeah, yeah.
2: it's the best way to go I find if, you, if you're not... A market gardener where you've got to get machinery mm-hmm. in there and, you know, you, you're trying to get a a, a a cash crop. It's put put everything in there. The more diversity, the better it is for the soil. You get a wider range of microbial activity and, and that just continually keeps the soil fertility going.
1: So if I prepared the mulch, I can put pretty much as you're recommending the vegetables in. Any difference if I had raised beds? Would we be doing the same? or Uh, or Are there other things we can grow because they're in a raised bed?
2: uh, You can. The biggest thing with raised beds, I find the biggest restrictions, is often that you will get tree uh, competition. So you need to have a barrier to stop tree roots and shrubs getting in there. And um, Mm. often... I like to let things go to seed themselves, so you often get stronger strains of a particular vegetable the following year, because you've let it go to seed and the seeds have come up where they want to come up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the thing about a raised bed, um, as Paul did, did touch on it, people think, oh, it's easier, you know, I can bring in good soil, I can build a raised bed, it's easier than trying to fix what I've already got, and to a degree that is true. But a lot of people don't even think about roots, root competition getting in Mm. because anywhere that you're lavishing good soil, fertiliser and water, Mm -hmm. it's going to be sniffed out by grasses and trees and people think I haven't got a tree, but your neighbour might have Mm -hmm. and unfortunately they don't respect boundaries too well and they will travel for metres and metres and metres, you know, tens of metres, twenties, exactly.
2: Especially eucalypts, I find they will get in your garden within about six weeks. We have marri trees and wandos and... They even though I put barriers in a raised garden beds, they still get in after about three years. How? They just find their way through. They're they're trying to survive through summer mm. and they Do birds have anything to do with it?
0: I don't think so because no. it's root. It's, the root. Okay. it's the root. They're, they're okay. little tiny, tiny, fine root mm. hairs that and that's what it is. They're just naturally attracted to the the moisture and the nutrients and and um, yeah, barriers will work, they'll definitely slow them down. Um, so it's something to consider because we've seen it a lot. And because it's all going on out of sight, sometimes don't people don't it. twig. Mm.
2: They don't, they don't you, think. You'll notice it when all of a sudden everything's going really well and then they just stop. Everything just stops growing. Because mm. it, it's, it's competition. A, it's yeah. really strange. Nature is
1: extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful to watch but has a lot of lessons to teach us. Yeah. Um, before I go any further, it is 29 minutes to 10. I should tell you after 10 o'clock this morning, George Menaldi here. Dealing into his uh, 60s record collection to entertain you until midday. Brendan T. Moylan after midday till six tonight with his pop country, Never Eyes from six until eight this evening, and then Party Time from eight until midnight with Lawrence Noakes. Right, before we go any further, bees. Get lots of bees in the hills or not enough? Uh, are what? you seeing them?
0: We are, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we get a lot of them around. We get I a lot of them. native bees yes, as well. Yes, yes, yes. Favourite,
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I, the, the sound of the buzzing in the garden to me is a celebration. You know, yeah. that the uh, the garden's alive and well when the bees are in, at home.
0: Yes, and and that's another important reason to put lots of flowering plants in and around your vegetable garden and your garden generally. Really, rather than a sterile, you know, lawn with one or two shrubs. Try and get some div- diversity in there because that supports all of the insects it supports the bees and we've got to remember that there's a food chain out there that relies on those plants and the insects and then because you you will not have birds without the insects so we we returned we were very fortunate to have a a lovely long holiday we got back at the end of july we were across in uh, england and then we spent a, a few days in greece And one thing that we really notice coming back to Australia is the diversity of the birds that we have here.
2: Unbelievable! It's, we just um, we don't appreciate enough how the environment that we're actually living in yeah. is so alive. It's mm.
0: relatively pristine still, uh, compared to some of the you know the places which are so urbanized and things. So yeah. we should be really trying to look after it and protect it, and, and we all can do that. We've all got a part to play in our little suburban backyard, no question.
1: Mm. I must confess, my partner's always saying to me, "Can you hear the birds? Can you?" And you go, Yes. <laughs> we for take we, it for granted. Exactly, we yes. take it for
2: granted. In the hills, it's like living in a, in an aviary. Mm. We get woken up, up every morning <laughs> by the birds. Yeah, usually it's the insane. rooster, but
0: apart from that, there are... Yeah. <laughs> and the cockatoos. There's plenty of cockatoos. You've yeah. got chickens, we I have. can tell, yes. how <laughs> wonderful.
1: <laughs> Free-range chickens. Uh, 20, uh, 26 minutes to 10. Uh, just let me take a moment here to uh, tell everybody about the Southeastern Orchid Society of WA's annual show 2023 and the State Orchid Championships which are being held at the Cannington Exhibition Hall on the 26th And the 27th of August, which will make it next weekend, from 9 until 4. Entry is $5. You can come and join everybody. There's lots to see. There are orchids and bonsai and cacti and succulents and African violets, ferns as well, and a lot more. Light refreshments, of course, always available. If you want to know more, 0407 718. Three seven seven. or go to their website, which is Southeastern Orchid Society, spelt as one word, dot com. They do also have a Facebook page, Southeastern Orchid Society of WA Inc. Does that tell you all you need to know? The Southeastern Orchid Society's annual show on at the Carrington Exhibition Hall next Saturday and Sunday. So where are we at? We're now looking at the phone lines, and I'm seeing it's pretty empty at the moment on the switchboard. If you have questions for Linda and Paul, now is the time to get in and make your call before we get to 10 o'clock, and then it'll all be closed for business in terms of gardening for another week. 94841927. Do not hesitate. Do it now. Perhaps we should run another quiz while we wait. let's. Let's do that. OK, let me just, inform uh, my uh, producer, we're going to run a quiz. Bev, OK, so here we go. But she doesn't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> OK, so here we go. Another $70, $75 gift voucher going with thanks to Paul and Linda at the Green Life Soil Company in Middle Swan. They have a motto of delivering a greener garden to you and a philosophy founded on permaculture. So Green Life Soil Company promotes biodiversity and sustainability. They have mulches, manures, compost, fertilizers, minerals, sands, remedies, soil conditioners and so much more. They even have native fish for your ponds, worm farms, seeds, seedlings, natural pest control solutions and all soil supplies and amendments you will ever need, all in one place. (laughs) They have a wealth of information on their website too. So you can go to greenlifesoil, one word, greenlifesoil.com.au where you'll find products to match your gardening requirements and so much more. And you can join up for their monthly newsletter too. It's free naturally and full packed with handy tips and info. Thank you to the Green Life uh, Soil Company, Linda and Paul, here is the question for a $75 gift voucher, true or false? Oh, the number, 94841927. This is for Curtin family members, of course. You must be able to give us your um, uh, membership number when you call. Normal T's and C's apply. True or false? There were almonds found in Tutankhamun's tomb. There were almonds found in Tutankhamun's tomb. True or false? I'll leave it up to you. Okay, Bev, coming to you. Open the phone lines. Here we go. So, suggestions for the weekend ahead? Any more emails you have there, Linda?
0: I have got one. There's uh, uh, Travis in Queens Rock, and he has sent through some photos of some cycads he's got growing in his garden. And how annoying for him. He's got five of them, uh, and two of them are not doing very well. And don't you hate that when you've got... (laughs) <laughs> it just seems to happen. It sounds and, like a competition. Oh, it's yeah. very annoying. Yeah, these photos you sent in, the two of them are very, very sad. Uh, look, my suspicion is that you are in Queen's Rocks. You are trying to grow these on alkaline soil and they are not going to be very happy. So I would really suggest that you do a pH test or take a soil sample in to someone. Uh, nurseries will be able to do it for you free of charge um, because I think if you can correct that then basically the yellowing is a nutrient deficiency, but throwing fertilisers at it is not going to help when you have a, a pH problem in yeah. the first place. I can see that you have given it rock minerals, which is great because there's a wide range of nutrients and things in that. So that's good. But I think the my gut feeling, what would you say from looking yeah, at those? Yeah, and
2: there's also a lot of competition by the pictures that we've got here. But... Uh, from other plants, but
0: but it looks pretty yeah. healthy. Some of the ones in the background are doing really, really yeah. well, like that, that one there, I think so yeah, right. good luck. I hope you can solve it, but that is always a bit of detective work as why plants aren't doing very well, and one of the first places to look is the pH of the soil you, and you and could
2: bring a sample of your soil into us. yeah, sphere. absolutely. A we
0: can we can help you <laughs> if you can want to track down from Quinns, but we are, we are uh, here for you, so yeah, sure.
1: super. there are choices in life. Why are you or why do you believe organic is so good?
0: Well, I I just a bit I suppose a bit of a greenie at heart. I kind of really think that um nature has its own systems mm-hmm. and what we try and do when we're doing soils is to replicate those systems. I like, don't fight it. Work with what you can, work with what you've got and use that as a starting process rather than uh, the The traditional kind of come in and build it fix it dominate mm-hmm. it I think that's just my philosophy yeah, I suppose it just
2: seems to make sense it seems it seems uh, a bit easier um, when you're not concerned about if you're poisoning a whole range of things I suppose or oh, the environment I mm-hmm. suppose um, especially when you bring children in get children involved uh, my i 've always been interested in the the natural food chain, the ecology you know how how the actual system works, so I kind of just always stick with that
1: yeah I think well it's, that, that, it's natural isn't it yes. and then yeah. chemicals were introduced why, why were chemicals introduced to try and knock That's out true. bugs and make things more perfect well or I grow think, faster
2: yeah well, I think it's made um, life easier especially in australia for people to farm on marginal lands mm. so it makes more la- land available makes food yep. more regularly available but also it's you know we're capitalists so <laughs> we're making money out of it
1: when yeah. when you can grow your own as you do and i have the good fortunate to do in the last couple of years there is nothing quite as tasty mm. as what comes out of your oh, garden absolutely. if you look after it use natural compost because we run three compost bins and look after the soil as best we can with your knowledge to support us of course we get uh, you what well, the reward you get is beautiful oh, tasty fresh food out of your own garden absolutely yeah. you
2: always feel really rich when you uh, when you eat good food Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And That's you
1: good. feel healthier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And hopefully you live longer. Yeah. Okay, the well. time is 19 minutes to 10. The question we asked on behalf of the uh, Green Life Soil Company in Middle Swan to win a $75 gift voucher was There were almonds found in Tutankhamun's tomb, true or false? And the answer was true. And Grace and Como, who was first on the phone to talk to Bev and give her the correct answer, we will be sending out your gift voucher to you very shortly, Grace. Radio 16 minutes to uh, 10 and in 16 minutes time George Minaldi in the chair with his 60s show for a couple of hours and we've got a lot of good things to talk to you about but first before we go any further Linda and Paul let's go out to Bayswater and have a quick chat to Lois. Good morning Lois on this beautiful morning.
0: Hello.
7: Yes good morning. I have a question about citrus gall wasp Um, which I have in my lemon tree. What I've been doing previously is pruning, but I'm losing a lot of my tree and I was going to try the um, potato peeler. I just wonder if the bits that I peel off, if I have to put in the bag and solarise.
0: Well, you're trying to expose the grub by or the 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 little egg by doing the potato peeling and there's mixed schools of thoughts how effective it is because obviously it is taking the bark off the tree but if you're not going deep enough into the wood where the eggs are it's not going to be super effective but I know it's such a big problem that everybody's just desperate to give things a try and it's certainly worth a shot um so the question as to what to do with the bits that come off, I guess, is really relating to whether or not there is likely to be any eggs or larvae in that material. And if you're unsure, it's probably safer to solarise it. So, yeah, stick it in a bag, seal it up and put it in the sun. It's, it's better to be uh, safe. Yep. All right. Thank you for that. Good luck.
1: Thank you for your call, Lois. Have a lovely weekend. That's Lois and Bayswater as we move across to Gosnells. Good morning, Val. Hi, Val. Good Go ahead, Val. Go We're listening.
4: Uh, my question is for. Uh, I've got a son living in green bushes in the southwest. He wants to plant some trees to form like a hedge, preferably natives that don't shed too much leaves. <laughs> uh, uh, look, not, don't grow too high.
2: How tall can it uh, don't grow too high?
0: Mm.
4: Mm. Yeah,
2: so not,
4: too, not, not like big gum trees or anything like that. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Look, steer steer clear of eucalyptus if he doesn't want no, the shedding, is... um, and I'm assuming there might be issues he needs to look into for being fire retardant. Um, so, I, I, I would suggest that that's something to look into. Uh, and I I can't really give you too many names off the top of my head of species that I I could consider. What?
2: How high can it get, Val? How how tall? Well,
4: he wants it more bushy than tall. Mhm. Okay.
2: So
0: it's more of a shrub. Yes,
4: like a shrub preferably.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My one of my favorites is uh uh um, oh, Yes. otherwise known as
0: Uh it's a native hibiscus. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Yeah. You
2: uh, I would definitely get your criteria of what you want and go to one of the nurseries down there it would be one of the easiest ways. Uh there are some <sighs> I I always love the really hardy uh, uh, bushes or or shrubs. Uh, I'm a big advocate of salt bushes, (laughs) but most most people don't really. You know, like them that much. So, the,
0: the two that Paul have mentioned, the native hibiscus and the salt bushes, can be very heavily pruned and shaped. You can almost, you know, make them into a very neat hedge if you choose to. <laughs>
4: oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and yeah. the native hibiscus bears beautiful purple flowers yeah, a very blousy perfectly. Flowers. Blousy, yeah, like a hibiscus flower, really, which is a surprising seeing yeah. it's called a native hibiscus. Yes, um, I do love it. Too. Yeah.
2: And the salt bush is a uh, native on the coast down. All on yeah. along WA is the Ragodia baccata. Uh, I love it. I use it everywhere. Mm.
0: It's, it's just Makes very it. green. It doesn't have flowers or anything remarkable, but it does form a very thick kind of hedge. But I'd recommend uh, that he thinks about the criteria, how tall, if he does want something particularly fire-retardant, and do a little bit of research. There's a lot of really good information about fire-retardant plants. And if you are setting up a new garden, it's a perfect opportunity to think that way. And I'm sure where he is, that would be a consideration. Um, And the local nursery, as Paul suggested, would be able to probably offer some very good options for him.
4: So, what sort of things would fly, fire retardant plants be?
0: Look, they're the salt bush? <laughs> <laughs> Look, <laughs> as I said, there's there's a lot of really good information. Um, there was a book put out a year or so ago. I wish I could remember the name of it, but oh, I it can't is. Remember is... The They've basically mm-hmm. done a heap of testing. They literally test growing these bushes and in dry form and in in growing form for their flammability. Um, and and that's the sort of thing. So so the research is there. You could probably just go to Doctor Google and literally type in fire retardant uh, plants natives to Western Australia or natives to Southern Australia, and there'd be a whole heap of things. But they are actually rated. So you'll find some that are moderately and others that are very. So, so there, yeah. I, I'd suggest he has a good look into that as an option. Yeah, thanks very
4: much for that. You're that welcome. Sounds- a way to go. I hadn't thought of saltbush. I had thought of the hibiscus, but I didn't think of the native, but um, yeah, I do like the native hibiscus, personally. <laughs>
1: yeah. And we thank you very much for calling, Val. Hope that's a great help to you. Have a lovely weekend. You too. Thank you. Bye.
0: There's also things like wedding bush and native rosemary. They are good hedging yeah. plants as well, oh, depending on is, the size. Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's okay.
1: It's the 11 minutes to ten. Nine minutes to ten. Doesn't time fly? It does. I told you when you came in, <laughs> your blink in this programme will be over. Yeah, very Isn't funny. it nice though that you can go to the website and you can drop down the programme tab on the top and listen to this all over again? Yeah, well. You love listening to your own voice, don't you, uh, Paul? Oh yeah, love it. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking a little bit earlier about the South Eastern Orchid Society's uh, annual show. There's something coming up in Calamunda.
0: There is the Calamunda Garden Festival is on again. Uh, it is the first Sunday of every new season so of course that means the first Sunday in September which I think is the third so it's coming up in a couple of weeks and they've got uh, more fabulous guests and speakers and everything scheduled. There's three stages uh, and Faye will be there, she's doing one of the talks and probably running one of the stages as well um, and so many other local and interstate gardening experts so it's worth going for the talks alone really but you have to just watch your timetable because there's three stages simultaneously but also stalls, uh, lots of things for plant lovers to buy, lots of really unusual plants. So. Come along and support that. It's growing exponentially every time that Kalamunda Garden Festival. It's definitely worth the drive. Will you be there? Yes.
1: Absolutely. The <laughs> Green Soil Company will be there, which is yeah. absolutely wonderful. You both obviously are aware of the change in the cycles of nature at the moment. Is there anything we can do to prepare, or do we just have to take it as we find it? Um,
0: With regards to the bigger picture of climate yes, change? or yes. Oh, look, don't get me started. All right. Let's come back to the little uh, picture. We'll really uh, set the phones on fire. Let's come back to the little picture one's I think, own garden. I think, look, sometimes we all feel rather overwhelmed by the problems and and the, what's going on, and there, but there are little things. I think the old... Saying "of think globally but act locally" comes mm-hmm. home to roost. So it's just little things like you know being a good steward of the soil that you have and the garden that you have, and promoting biodiversity. Little things like trying to compost your waste rather than send it off in a smelly diesel truck to landfill. Mm. You know, separate your recycling. All of those little things that you think doesn't make a difference, they really do. Yeah, when we when we all do them. Yes. You know, and it's it, it's better a thousand people do them okay rather than two people do them perfectly oh, absolutely so,
1: yes and the, the fogo um, process that many of the councils are using these days is is admirable but we could if you have a garden have your own compost bin as i oh, mentioned absolutely, earlier yep. and re-regenerating it for your own benefit yes.
0: and if you are using a fogo system if your council does provide them please do follow the rules and separate your waste and please educate your neighbours because by far and away that is the biggest problem with the FOGO uh, waste that the processors are having is contamination with plastics and glass and and rubbish stuff that should not be in a FOGO bin. So again, they're the little things that we can do to make a difference.
1: Okay, that's one would say quite easy to do, but obviously some people find it difficult. (laughs) Coming back to composting, um, is there a problem with composting lemons?
2: no not, uh, no well they, they if you put too much in at, at one time but uh, it's what i've got around that situation is just letting them dry out so you would put them in a compost bin and put keep putting them in but like don't put them back on the garden no. so let them dry out because uh, obviously citrus oils and that sort of thing mm-hmm. are uh, preserve they preserve thing, um, but is
1: that the same for oranges as well? Yeah, all of Look, them. Look, anything
0: that was living is going to be compostable, yes. and and it's all material that you've got. Um, the rule with compost is to try not to have in too much of just one material, uh, because again, variety helps. There's different. Um, Physical qualities with to, to do with the size of things that are going into your compost bin, mm-hmm. putting in everything that's too chunky allows too much air through it, putting in stuff that's too fine, compacts, and there's not enough air in it. So that's why a variety of physical pieces uh, and, and even the same material. So definitely, if you've got a heap of lemons and it's a seasonal thing compost them i've no got a problem.
1: masses of oranges and i've been putting them into a bin but smashing them up Perfect. now as you say you know in time it's going to break down yes but paul let me come back to you um in terms of preparing whether it's a compost bin or whatever we have to prepare for for the months ahead how useful is paper
2: uh well it composts mm. uh shredded paper is really good to use in a worm farm Mm-hmm. If you've got a worm farm, that's a good way of new composting. Newspaper?
1: Because that has printers ink. Does that yeah, affect it? It doesn't seem to be
2: a problem. All the studies I've seen on that, um, hopefully now they use uh, biodegradable inks. Yeah, um, I do hear that they are available. Uh, Worms. You just never know, idea. No. This yeah. paper
1: is printed with biodegradable ink. <laughs> doesn't really happen. But getting more down to it, um, in the compost bin, straw is better than paper?
2: Yeah, all of them uh, work really well. Yeah, straw uh, turns black very quickly once it gets
1: wet. And I have one that of those spiral works. units. It's Perfect. important to lift it. You're oh. trying to get oxygen in underneath. That's it. Correct. You can't just let it sit there and do nothing.
0: Well, you can, but it's just going to take a lot longer to break down. That's the old cold composting Mm. thing where you just literally let it do its thing and it can take a couple of years. But ultimately, everything will decompose. But the advantage of using your your turner is to get air in and to sort of move it all Mm -hmm. around. So, yes, it's quicker. Mm
2: -hmm. And the bigger the pile of compost, the quicker and the more effective it'll be in composting. Um, but if you've only got a small bin um, it's what I used to do was when you couldn't seem to get it composting any further pull it out uh, put it between a couple of trees and just cover it with mulch and let the worms finish it off really yeah it was an easy way to then you could start the next pile
1: (laughs) fantastic I must remember that put it between two trees and cover it with mulch yeah
2: because the the obviously, the feeder roots of the trees uh-huh. will work their way into it, but also all the biology the worms all the microbes will come up to How them. do
1: I know if the compost bin is actually working would it be warm on the outside
2: <laughs> it It warms up, but it you, you can just tell it heats up to start with um and it's the it's I've always been told or always um try to let people know um. Composting is like a joke. You either get it or you don't. So <laughs> you, it's That's really a, a mixture of moisture and air and the right ingredients. So experiment with it. If, it's, if uh, you're in doubt and it's a sloppy kind of smelly mess, put more woody material with mm. it. Yeah, it's a
0: balance of wet and dry.
2: Yeah, yeah. they're sorted out pretty quick.
1: Mm. Well, here we are. It's almost 10 o'clock and George Minaldi is waiting just across my shoulder over here to bring you his 60s record collection, his uh, collection of dusty diamonds, revive 45s and all those sorts of things. What are you starting up with, George? Oh, you're starting off with the uglies. Well, you didn't know I played for them, did you? you. No. <laughs> Closing remarks. Anything, uh, any hints, tips before we go?
0: Look, definitely think about getting your garden ready now for spring and summer because it won't be long before the heat is upon us. Um, it's the perfect time to get out and do the jobs. It's not too hot. Um, so, yeah, make use of the time because it will, like this show, will pass very quickly. And, <laughs> and, and so, make use of the, the opportunities that we have, which is good, good for life, really, A- isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. <laughs> but
1: if you don't have trees, should we be thinking about shade cloths?
0: Not yet. Okay. I say in Perth probably just a bit before Christmas, but it does depend on the season.
1: Linda, Paul, the Michiners? from the Green Life Soil Company, who have been my guests this morning. Thank you so much for the last two hours and all you've imparted and made the program just complete, even though Faye and Ray are not here with us this week. It's been a pleasure to work with you, and I can assure everyone Faye and Ray will be back to talk more gardening next week at 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning. In the meantime, you guys, thank you so much, thank and have you. a thank safe you. weekend. Thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure. Thanks. My um, thanks also to Bev out there producing the program, and uh, my good uh, friend uh, John Glidden, who is the researcher. It's been good. This has been Let's Talk Gardening, sponsored by Garden in a Bag. You get to 10 bags, and then you get another bag free. How about that? Including delivery. The time is 10 o'clock. You are listening to FM. And it's time for us to say farewell because George is on the way. Have a safe and wonderful weekend. The temperature is currently just a tad over 15 degrees and this weather is going to continue beautifully all day. It's going to be 21 degrees estimated maximum.
4: We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio.
3: Happy gardening.